little kids are being dismissed. want to, again, welcome you and say Happy Father's Day to you. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, uh, my apologies that you have to see me so much. Typically, we have other people doing music, and uh, today they needed they needed a sub. But thankful for those that are, that are helping out here in music, putting in a lot of time. Appreciate them. Today we'll take a break from our study in the book of Titus. We'll pick that up and finish that next week. As we do on Mother's Day and Father's Day, I like to focus on men and women of the faith, whether they were a mother or father or not, just something that we can learn from, godly men and women. And today I'd like to focus on one particular aspect of the life of Joseph. So to do that, let me ask you a little, little quiz. We'll get to a quiz on your knowledge of the life of Joseph and what you think is essential in his faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, as we've been going through our Father's Day for, for a couple years here, I've been walking through different men and women from Hebrews 11, they mention, you know, and by faith, such and such did A, B, or C. So by faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed, and so and so on. So without looking at Hebrews 11, you cheaters, Mark, I see you, cheating, cheater in church, in my small group, I can call them out. Um, without looking at Hebrews 11, if you did, you cannot answer. What would you say was the pivotal moment of Joseph's faith? Something that we ought to tell generations about and put it in Scripture. What was it? Now, let me be honest with you. I, my wife and I were talking about this. Both of us would have got it wrong at the start. Joseph, his life covers a, a large portion of Scripture. Genesis, Genesis 37 through 50, it focuses on the life of Joseph. So if you're going to say, well, what would it be? The dreams? Would it be that you know, he, he fled from Potiphar's wife? Would it be, what would it be? His faithfulness through in wrongful imprisonment? Being a faithful, wise representative to the people around him that did not know Jesus? What would it be? So if you had to guess, this is by faith Joseph did that, what would you say? Now, if you didn't cheat, you didn't look, I guarantee you probably would have got it wrong, and we'll get there in Hebrews chapter 11. So turn there to Hebrews 11. We'll get to verse 22, and we'll see what they say. But first, I want you to start at verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, look at verses 1 through 3 that set up, again, our chapter here known as the Hall of Faith. Now faith, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. There are a couple things to note here first. What faith is? Faith is the assurance, being assured of what we are hoping for. Right? It's believing without seeing. It's that conviction that we have a hope that's greater than what we can see here. Second, that we see faith has been exercised. Exercise, verse 2, for by the people of old receive their commendation. So for our children out there, we're not talking about old people. Although they may have been old. But the people of old, meaning living a long time ago. For those that are senior saints, maybe this is a new title you can, you can claim. You know, I'm, a, I'm a person of old. So you're not old you're, or older. You just, you've lived for an old time. Um, third, we see an example of faith at work, right? By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. So what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So 
so though we are we're not there when god created the world we take him at his word god said it dot 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 i believe it that is faith god said it i believe it in verse four we see abel lived by faith verse five enoch lived by faith but what if we do not have faith verse six look at verse number six and without faith it is impossible to please him to please god if you do not have faith you cannot please him meaning you cannot have his favor you cannot enjoy him forever you cannot go to live with him in heaven forever no faith no heaven no faith no savior so what must i do to please god then what must i do to be to know him as savior to be forgiven to become his child to be able to live with him for all the eternity what does it say in verse six for whoever whoever now who's whoever anyone whoever would draw near to god must do what you must believe that he that god exists all right i believe there's a god we good no no keep going and that he rewards those who seek him god is personally interactive in our lives to have a God, you must first believe in him. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that believe in him. He is actively involved in our lives. He's not some distant God. He's not the great clock winder that starts it up and then sits back and lets chaos ensue. He's actively involved. Though there are hard times, though there are struggles, we believe that God, our creator of the world, has promised to reward those that place their faith in him. Friends. Have you done so? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Is there ever been a point in time in your life where you could say, by faith, I have trusted in the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God? We see in verse 4 and 5, Abel and Enoch knew him. They placed their faith in God. Verse 7, Noah believed in him. Verses 8 through 19, Sarah and Abraham believed in him. They placed their faith in God. Verses 20 through 21, Isaac and Jacob placed their faith in God. And now, to Joseph. What's so significant about Joseph's life out of all that he went through, Genesis 37 through 50, what does the writer of Hebrews key in on? And this will be our focus for today. By faith, Joseph did what? A lot of amazing things. At the end of his life, <laughs> fast forward, at the end of his life, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. Now, how many put that as your top 10 things, top 50 things you would write about Joseph as key for his faith? And let's pass that on to generations. He told them where to bury him? That's what we got? Yes. So for those of you that are there like, well, I'm out at the end of my life, and I'm not plotting now where I'm going to be buried. So does this mean there's nothing for me here? Absolutely not, right? All Scripture is given by inspiration. God is profitable for doctrine, proof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness. So how does this help me today? First, we need to understand that Joseph trusted God's promise. Joseph trusted God's promise. By faith, Joseph. So it means he believed something he did not see. And what did he believe in? There is a God, and that he actively rewards those who seek him. He's actively involved in my life. There's more to this, 
right? When we're thinking of it's not just that concept, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He did come, He did die, He did rise, He did ascend on high, and He still lives today to intercede on behalf of His own. We understand all that. But Joseph's looking forward to the promise. But I look forward to the promise, even though I can't see it, I believe it will happen, and God will reward me for doing so. Now, did his life look like a life of reward? The majority of it, no. A lot of hardship. But he placed his faith in God. He trusted God's promises. Now, where do we see that Joseph trusted God's promise in this verse? It's kind of subtle, but look at the end. At the end of his life, he made mention of the Exodus, of the Israelites, and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, why does that show faith and trust in God? How's his faith? Why is this exceptional? And how does this prove who he, that his, who he believed in? Let me walk you through a bit of history, because we don't have a large timeline, unless you maybe do in your Bible. We have different eras in Hebrews 11, right? You have Abel, and you have Enoch, you have Noah, Noah to Abraham, and then you have Abraham, then we have in succession, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Father, son, father, son, father, son, father, son. After that. Abraham was born some 250 years before Joseph. Abraham was promised many things. You'll see in our next slide here in Genesis 12, 6. God said to Abraham, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Speaking of the promised land. In our next verse, in Genesis 15, 13 through 14. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land, the promised land? That's not what it says. What does it say? In a land that is not theirs. And they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. That's kind of a lengthy time of servitude. Don't worry, you're only going to be a slave for 400 years. I don't think I'm going to live to see freedom. That's a bummer. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. God is telling this to Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Judah and his kin, his family, and Joseph. God tr- in Genesis 12, God promises Abraham a land, the land of b- promise. In Genesis 15, he tells him what's going to come. Though you do have a land of promise, you're not going to be able to get it just yet. You're going to have to trust me by faith that your descendants, see, God promises Abraham a land seed and a blessing. By faith, it will come. They're first going to get pulled out. They're going to be enslaved for 400 years. Anybody guess where they may have been enslaved for 400 years? Anybody? Egypt? What would God do to them after 400 years? What does it say? He's going to bring judgment on that nation. Can you think of a country, nation, whom God judged for enslaving his people? Egypt. How did God do so? How did God show judgment? Ten. Ten plagues. And afterward, they should come out with great possessions. What did the Israelites do when they left Egypt? Before they left, they said, hey, can I have some of your gold and silver and precious jewels? They're like, just take anything we have. Got, get out of here. And they left. Wealthy. Check, check, check. God keeps his word. 
God told this to Abraham. We didn't have the book of Genesis then. That didn't come until after the Exodus. So orally, they're having to tell their descendants to pass that on. Got to pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. So with this understanding, let's see how Joseph believed the promise of God given to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15. Look at our next slide here in Genesis 50, 24 through 25. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you out of this land. Based on what? What God said he would. I believe him. Where will he take us? If he's going to take us out of the land of Egypt, he will take you to the land that he swore to who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you or help you, depending on your translation, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Look at these faith statements based on prior promises. So again, this is 200 years after the promise, initial promise to Abraham. 400 years before the Exodus. Listen, he says, God will visit you. God will bring you up out of land. God will bring you to the land he swore to Abraham. This in and of itself is, is amazing. Listen to what one pastor said about this text. Though a fourth generation heir of the promise, Joseph could not claim, even claim to have sojourned in the promised land, much less to have inherited it. It had been some 200 years since God made the initial covenant with Abram, 200 years of promise and no fulfillment in sight. In fact, by the time of Joseph's death, none of Abraham's descendants, that's the descendants of promise, none of them lived in the promised land at all. Yet, Joseph believed. Joseph trusted. Even though he could not see it with his eyes, he believed it in his heart. God will visit you. Or another translation says, God will surely come to your aid, and when he does, you shall carry my bones from here. Joseph was convinced that the promise of God to Abraham of the land, the enslavement, the aid of God given, the judgment of God given through the ten plagues, and the exodus of God's people, wealthy exodus of God's people to the promised land, was guaranteed. This is not a possibility. This is a guarantee. Generations pass, and later on we read in our next text here, Exodus 12, 40 through 41. And the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. So we got past that 400-year mark. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. This is something God promised Abraham. And this is something Joseph was convinced of, right? Remember what he said in Genesis 50, 25? God will bring you up out of this land to the land he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jacob, sorry, but Joseph also told his family that, hey, remember when the time comes, when that promise is fulfilled, dig me up. <laughs> That's not, so again, being a pastor, I was a youth pastor for 13 years, didn't do a lot of funerals until... So I started working with adults and, and senior saints, and we're seeing funerals. I've yet to see in a family request, in the will that's being read, by the way, if event A happens, <whistles> dig me up, pal. <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, dig me up. And take me to a land of promise. So did that happen? Exodus 13, 19. Look at Exodus 13, 19. And our next one. Moses took the bones of Joseph 
wickedness. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, and now he's going to quote back Genesis 50.25, God will surely visit you and shall carry up my bones with you from here. Now how on earth did Moses know that? He wasn't there. It's 400 years later. There had to have been the children of Israel, the descendants that were there, listening to Joseph talk, had to pass on truth from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation until this day. How did Moses know? What made him think, I'm forgetting something? You got a shovel. And you think about it. How did Moses know this? Where did Moses grow up? Most of his life. Where was it at? It was in Pharaoh's home. So it had to have been in the time where he was instructed by his mother. In those first few years. His mom and dad pouring into him. Don't forget, God will get us out of this. He promised Abraham. He promised he would do this. Now that's an assumption. I don't know exact process, but he heard it. Someone told it to him, and I'm assuming it wasn't Pharaoh. The commands passed down for hundreds of years. The people of Israel go through the exodus. They come out. They're wealthy. God judged the nation just like he said he did, and they came out, and they walked straight into the promised land rejoicing. No, that's not how that happened. No, what they do with all the stuff that God gave them? As soon as they came out, what's one of the first things they did with all the stuff, the jewels that God gave them? What they do? They made an idol. Sweet mercy, what are we doing? You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. You turned it into an idol. Moses comes down. You bozos. He's smashing stuff, and he gets angry. He's striking rocks, and God says, Moses, you can't get in. The people don't believe the land of promise. They don't think we can win. God God got us out of Egypt, but he can't get us in the land. God's restricted in his power. We're not going. Oh, now you have 40 years. Start walking. Moses dies. Joshua comes into power. And now we get to the text Miss Leah. Leah read for us today in Joshua 24, 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, They've been carrying these things <laughs> for 40 years. You ever had somebody say, hold on to this for me? I'll be right back. <laughs> As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the place of the land that Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. We'll give you that land. Your Father's father, 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 father. Believe it. It's yours. After 400 years, the bones of Joseph are buried in the land of promise. Okay, God promises land, you know, 600, whatever the years are, 500, 600 years, depending on the timeline that you read. God promises Abraham the land to his descendants and forever. He promises he's going to judge the nation of Egypt. I understand that. And brings them out through signs and wonders. And they walk out wealthy. That's great. I get all that, and Joseph believed that. That's fantastic. How does this help me today? 
How does Joseph give him insight about where to bury his body? Help me while my family member, my friend is dying, while I'm struggling with cancer, or while I'm just mired in sin. I feel like I can't even see the light. How does it help me today? First, remember, Joseph trusted God. Second, remember, Joseph told others about God's promises. It's not something he kept to himself. He told others about the promise. Hebrews eleven twenty two. by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. I don't want to belabor this point, but I want you to understand why the writer of Hebrews thought this moment of all moments in Joseph's life was such an example of faith. Remember when he is sold into slavery, Joseph is, by his brothers. Talk about sibling rivalry to, to the, another level. Sold into slavery, goes into Potiphar's. God rewards him for his faithfulness. Even through unjust treatment, he says, I'm going to be faithful to my Savior, my God. Joseph is faithful. God promotes him. Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him. He says, I want none of this. He runs off. He gets thrown in, r- thrown in prison wrongfully. Is faithful there. He gets made top. He's over the other, the other prisoner. Interprets dreams for two prisoners with him. One gets promoted back to Pharaoh. He says, remember me. The guy doesn't. Whoops. He's still in jail. Out of all these moments, can you not hear in Joseph's head, in his mind, God promised Abraham a land for his descendants. Man, I wish I was there. How many times do you think he wondered or wished, I wish I was in the land of promise? When he's in the hole, when he's sold in slavery, when he's wrongfully accused, when he's back in prison, even when he's promoted to second in command, I wish I was in the land of promise. So what would he do about this? He's died. Guess where he's not? The second most powerful man in Egypt. He has everything we think he might want. No, I'm not satisfied with this. I want the promise of God. I want to see it. So even though I'm going to die and on my dying day, I want to tell you my descendants. So he pulls them all in on his deathbed. Listen, you know what God said. So Abraham, we've been passing this on for 200 years and you're going to have to pass it on for at least another 400. Pass this on. Make it a mandate that when God keeps his promise, Dig me up and take me in. Because I believe his word. There's something to be said about us telling others what we believe about who our Savior is and what he's done. You know, a simple thing, we, s- we sat down this last week talking to family that uh, wants to join the church, but something I get to ask, it's a, it's a blessing. Something to ask, tell me about how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Christian, look at me, look at me. I, I don't know how long you've been to this church, 
How many people, even here, how many people here have you told about how you came to know Jesus as your Savior? How many? Why would you not share that information with everybody you know? Sometimes we think we're fixing to please them. Brother, sister, do your kids know how you came to know Jesus? Do your grandkids know? Children, do your buddies know? This summer, I got a chance to hit up, well, like I said, great opportunity. Had to drive up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's not my favorite state on a, in America, Green Bay. I mean, Wisconsin, let alone Green Bay, my favorite city. As you know, my, my loathing of the Packers, and it's just Packer Town, man. Just Packer Town. But while we're there, driving through Michigan, we stopped in Michigan and got a chance to see um, Mrs. Lunny. You don't know Mrs. Lunny. Mrs. Lunny was my Sunday school, was a Sunday school teacher, fantastic teacher. She was the best at telling a story and then just stopped, and the whole world was falling apart, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and we had to come back next week to find out what Mrs. Lunny was going to say every time. I don't know how she did it. One Wednesday night, Mrs. Lunny was teaching in, in our little Packer Pirate Club. I was in sixth grade, and she taught her lesson. And I remember just being small in the heart. And I had prayed a prayer. I'd even been baptized. And I knew I was not a saint. I was not a Christian. Went home, couldn't get to sleep. And I remember I was going to be afraid that I had to tell my dad that maybe I was ashamed. I don't know if I thought he was going to be ashamed of me that kid, this pastor, this kid doesn't know Jesus, and so I didn't know if I should tell my dad that. Finally, I worked up the courage at 10 or 11 at night, came out of bed, and, and my dad got to lead me to the Lord, right next to his bed, downstairs on the first floor. The promise of God to me, that I'm his child, not because of something I did, because how great I am, but because of his great mercy. And I was able to, to have my, my boys, this is Mrs. Lunny. She's dying of cancer. But if you don't know how important she is to me. On the way back from Green Bay, we got to stop in Anderson, Indiana. See Miss Elaine. You know Miss Elaine, but I've talked about her before. Miss Elaine was my adopted grandma at my wedding. Her husband, Papa Don, was preaching in Watertown, Wisconsin. And a guy walked forward named Leonard Saunders. And Papa Don led him to the Lord. At the end of that freshman year, he was preaching, and my mama accepted Christ. So every year, growing up, we'd have Papa Don and Miss Lane would come through. They're, they're spiritual grandparents. We were in their home every year. They were in our home every year. She's my adopted grandma. She got to stop and see Miss Elaine. She's probably four foot eight, 63 pounds, but full of tenacity and love. That's a bit of our story. Where would we be without Papa Don's faithfulness to the word? What if he had preached another gospel? What if Miss Lunny decided, I don't want to teach anymore. I'm done. I'm going to let son, another generation do this. 
faithfulness of God's people being willing to be used in my life. Pray for me. Christian, are you sharing the simple good news of what God's done in your life? Let me encourage you, do it not just today. Do it until your deathbed. Senior saint, you may feel like you're closer to that line than you ever have been before. You've got precious moments left. Do not squander them. Use them like Joseph did. Share. Share the good news of how God saved you. Share the good news of what he's promised to you. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. And those that come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let the generations that will follow you know God will reward me, and he can reward you too place your faith in him. And that leads us to the next point here. Joseph directed others to participate in God's promise. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. What does it say at the end? Joseph gave direction concerning his bones. He believed the promise of God to Abraham so much that he told his family, carry my bones with you. Promise to carry the casket to the promised land 400 years from now. Put yourself in, again, in this situation. You and an extended family are sitting around, and Joseph's telling you this. You going to live 400 years from now? Are you going to be the one to carry out this promise? But he's like, promise me. And when somebody says something like that at their deathbed, what are you going to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. But how do you guarantee a promise that's 400 years from now? Man, we're going to have to. Kids, come here. All right. See that burial right there? You know who that is? That's Joseph. Joseph believed what God told Abraham. And listen, there's going to come a time, and you're not going to see it either. And, and, and your kids won't see it either. And your kids' kids won't see it either. But listen to me now. See that spot? We, you need to tell your children's 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 children to dig that up. And take it with you when God allows you to leave the earth. He actively made them promise to participate in the promise of God and to pass it on for generations to follow. So let me try to put this in perspective. Let's try to imagine this. Imagine an early American father like Paul Revere. He's riding around saying the British are coming. Right after he hops off the horse, he gets down and says, now listen, kids, someday America's going to own all this land, ocean to ocean, east to west. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. So when that happens, 400 years from now, I want you to dig me up with my little lantern, carry me over to the west coast, bury me there. Now, let me remind you, in case some of you are really bad at history, that's fiction. That was never said. It's not national treasure. That's fiction. But if that were the case, so if that were the case, 400 years from now, you realize we'd still have another 154 years to go? And you're in the middle of this promise? 154 years to go. Sweet mercy. <laughs> I'm not seeing that day. 
Should we go plot land? Should we go look there? No, it ain't happening. So you can imagine through this time, put yourself in their situation. You, you got 154 years before the land of promise is coming. Slavery's still awful. Pharaoh's still bearing down on you. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Are you really going to pass on? Are you really going to still believe this? That we ought to dig up this bird's bones and take them with us? There's no exit in sight. And if the promise is true, you're telling me I still have another, another 154 years to go of this mess. Well, that's not hope. Joseph is pushing his family. Believe. Believe in the promise of God. He promised Abraham, and Abraham obeyed by faith. I trust it. Listen to me when I tell you, trust the promise of God. Speaking on this text, John Calvin pointed out that Joseph's request was not selfish, was not for selfish interest, but was intended as a stimulus to the Israelites. He wanted, Calvin says, to sharpen the desire of his people so that they would look more earnestly for their redemption, that they may hope that they might hope with certainty that they would at length be liberated. Parents, grandparents, how are you encouraging your family to participate in the promises of God? Also, grandparents, parents, do you have godly parents that have passed this on to you and you're just not doing the job? You've let it slide. Singles, students, children, how are you encouraging your friends and your classmates to believe and participate in the promise of God? Hey, kiddos and teens, listen to me. Have you been a youth pastor for a long time? Let me, let me, everyone look at me. Teenagers, look at me. Your parents are filthy, rotten sinners. Embrace that because it's true. If they have told you by faith they've accepted Jesus as their Savior, this does not change the fact that they were born filthy, rotten sinners. But may they, by God's grace, instill into you your ability to participate in the promises of God. Listen. Do not listen to them because they're holy, because only God can make them that. Listen to them because God has placed them in your life to help you function in that way. In order to persuade others, students, kids, teens, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, in order to persuade others of the promises of God, you must first participate in them. You must first believe them. And the writer of Hebrews would say you must live then how? By faith. Live by faith. A life worth believing is worth living for, sharing, and persuading others to follow. If it's worth believing and living for, is it not worth sharing and persuading others to follow? So what all does this mean for us today, and what can we apply to our lives? First off, friend, ha have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a mo point and moment in your life where there is this statement for you, by faith, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior? Earlier we read in Hebrews 11, 6, and without faith it's impossible to please Him. 
Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Have you ever placed your faith in Christ? Do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Then place your faith in Him. As we sang earlier today, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Friend, will you place your faith in Jesus today? If you have questions how you can do that, see myself, see a Christian friend you came with, we need to tell you, Scripture says, whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you come to Him? Next, if you're here and you've received Christ as Lord, let me ask you a couple questions. First, Christian, are you actively, actively trusting in the promises of God given to you? Are you actively trusting in the promises of God given to you? One commentator said, even though Joseph was a ruler in Egypt, he recognized that he was an exile, that his true home was Canaan. So too the readers, you and I, should recognize that our true home is the heavenly city, that Isaac, that like Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, we ought to trust God's promises even in death. See, you're saying again, you may be truly towards the end of that road, rest in the promises of God in the face of death. Christian, your health may be failing, trust God's promises. Even in the face of death, and your life may be turned upside down with bleak prospects, trust the promises of God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you. He will come again for you. He promises you that you get to live with Him forever. Keep your eyes on the Savior. Trust the promise of God. God said it. I believe it. Christian, like Joseph, next, are you, are you telling others about the amazing promises of God? Maybe it needs to start, Mom and Dad, with you sitting down today and letting your kids know how you came to know Jesus. Maybe that's what it needs to start. Grandma and Grandpa, maybe you need to sit down with your grandkids and say, hey, do, you know what, I'm sure I told you this, but maybe I haven't. Walk them through. How the Lord snatched you out of darkness and brought you to light. May you be willing to tell your friend and your neighbor the good news of Jesus Christ. So parents and grandparents, are you continually actively teaching your family, your extended family, about who God is, what he's done in your history and in your life? Think how Joseph set it up that it wasn't just for his kids it was for his kids, 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 just pushing them, promising, promising. You will embrace the promises of God. You will teach this to the next generation, and on and on it will go. Would you do that? Lastly, Christian, how thankful are you that God keeps his promises? How thankful are you that God keeps his promise? Why does God keep his promise? He cannot lie. He is faithful and just. He said it, he will do it. Listen to these promises. Let me just give you three or four here. Just listen. Romans 8, 39. Nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, 
always to the end of the age. Promise. Philippians 4.19, God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Promise. He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6 says, he who began that good work in you will complete it. Oh God, thank you. Promise. We hear those sometimes and we wonder. Right? You hear the voice of the serpent in the tree. Has God said? Because you wonder sometimes, does he still love me? After all I've done, nothing will separate my love from you. And life's so awful right now. I feel like I'm all alone. I am with you always. At the end of the age, I don't know how we're going to make things work. I mean, it's, we're so stretched so thin, inflation sky high. I, I don't know. Jobs on the brink. And my God will supply all your need. Based on what? According to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I, I've been here a thousand times, and I feel like I've said the same prayer a thousand times. I feel like I'm just, I'm not going to make it. If anybody could lose their faith, it's me. No. He who began the good work, will complete the good work. Promise. What God said he would do, he will do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for keeping your promise to us. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that does not know you as Savior and Lord, today may they, may they realize the greatest gift is you. May they enjoy, call out, God save. Lord, forgive. Knowing whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, would you help them do so today? Lord, I pray for our friends and family here at Lexington Baptist Church. Lord, in October, we're going to celebrate homecoming, 65 years of your faithfulness. Some that have passed the truth on for generations generation. Lord, would you use us in each of our homes and through this church to be a blessing to our community by just simply trusting the promises of God. Lord, by simply sharing the promises of God and by persuading others to participate in the promises of God. In Jesus' name we pray.